all right folks all right folks what is good what is good this is episode 255 this is a new year a new day and a new format of the first and pre-rate show um i will be doing this daily so um good morning to everyone if this is your first time hearing this here in the morning or if not welcome either way this is the first and frame rate show i'm via Bala. over here we talk about Georgia Southern football, Atlanta Falcons football, not much Georgia Southern talk, you know, this week for the most part, but we will be covering Georgia Southern for the most, you know, anytime news breaks or news, uh, you know, comes out with Georgia Southern and uh, Atlanta Falcons. Definitely, you know, I'm from Georgia and, you know, we talk about those two teams because those are my favorite teams. So that's where we're going to be going with that. Now, what I want to say as well is that, um, I want to thank you guys. Happy New Year. Uh, if you made it this far, you know, it's a blessing. You know, it, it's, it's a good time to really uh, reflect on things and try to set some goals for yourself, not resolutions, but goals for yourself and um, things that you may want to do and want to accomplish for the new year. Just set the tone for a new day and everything goes well. Um, as far as me, I'm, you know, this is a, a part of the goals that I'm setting. You know, I'm starting to do this on a daily basis. You're not going to have to get this on uh, every Wednesday. Um, this podcast will be up on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, um, any other the platforms that you like to listen to your podcast, or you can listen to this on the YouTube channel where you can visually see the podcast uh, um, go about um, the way that it goes. So um, today on t- on deck, we're going to be talking about the Atlanta Falcons, obviously. Um, have they overachieved? I think they overachieved this season. I think they've done a pretty good job based on what the hand that they were dealt with and what was in front of them and the team, the way it was set up. Uh, and also, I want to talk about do the the college football playoff should expand. I absolutely think so, and I'm going to give you my thoughts and opinions about that. So, um, normally this this show I try to run it between 20 and 30 minutes, or I'll say around 25 to 30 minutes. I don't necessarily want to keep you guys, especially on your day to day route when you are headed to work or coming home from work or whatever the case may be. Don't want to keep you guys around because you know there are some uh shows out there that can talk a long time. I know I'm one of them. I can. So I try to limit myself. Um, So uh, before we get started, once again, rest in peace to John Madden. One of my uh, favorite football commentators ever, if not my favorite ever, the best that ever do it, in my opinion. And um, love his football games. You see, I have one of his games right here, Madden 98 for the Saturn. I also have a bunch of other John Madden games. I mean, if you're a video if you love sports you played one john madden you know pretty much i played all of them but you know that's another story for another day i talked about that on my vf cast channel which you can check that out if you are um listening to this on youtube the link will be down in the description or if you're listening to this on the podcast avenue it should be down in the description on that as well i'll try to put it there if not I will uh, just go to YouTube, type in VFCast. I should pop right on up. Subscribe to that channel as well. So um, let, let's go ahead and get into this. The Falcons um, end up losing to the Buffalo Bills. They dropped the 7-8 and eight on the season. Um, possibly could be in a situation. Oh, was it 7-8 or 7-9? I think it's 7-9. And, nine. and um, they have a possibility. Yeah, 7-9. And they could uh, end up going 7-10 um, if they don't beat the New Orleans Saints now. Um Man, uh, I think they have a chance to beat New Orleans Saints. They're going to be playing at home at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They already beat the Saints one time. The Saints don't have a quarterback um, that bowled very well for the Falcons. And um, 
with them losing to the Bills, the way I looked at this game, it was absolutely surprising. Um, I didn't think the Falcons would have much of a chance in this game. Um, Matt Ryan kind of cost them, you know, points on the board with his taunting situation. Look, I, I, I look at it. I look at it this way. I look at it in a situation where it's a bunch of frustration and a lot of adrenaline running. And with that being said, I'm not 100% mad at Matt Ryan for that. I, I mean, I'm just not. I mean, I'm I'm okay with Matt Ryan doing what he did because uh, it was a lot of frustration. And Matt Ryan has been taking a beating for all, all year. And especially in this game, you know, his offensive line just has not been helping him out. It just hasn't. And, I mean, it does no favors that Matt Ryan hasn't been playing top tier as well. But, nevertheless... You know, Matt Ryan ran in for the touchdown and he felt like he needed to taunt somebody. I get it. I mean, your adrenaline is running. It, it happens. You know, um, at the end of the day, to make it this far against um, an opponent like the Buffalo Bills and the team that you had is kind of, um, you know, is, is kind of impressive in my opinion. I mean, they, I, I felt that it was going to get blown out, to be honest. And um, uh, Kyle Pitts didn't play most of the second half. I don't think he played any of the second half. He has a hamstring issue. You lose Calvin really earlier in the season, which I'm going to talk about that as far as the, the total um, body of work this year. Um, the Falcons, uh, honestly, I'm a, they had no business winning seven games. And um, they they clearly was not the best team in a lot of these games. I'd probably say maybe outside of the Jets game, maybe the Jaguars game. Those are only two games I could think of that there was no legitimately favored to win those games. So that's two out of the 16 games they played so far, and they've won seven of those games. Uh, You know, so I'm looking at it like, yo, they, they had no business being here. Uh, kudos to the um, uh, the coaching staff. I mean, I think they've done a great job overall. Um, the way they played these games, sometimes there was some head scratches. I think every team in the in the league, all thirty two teams, going to have some decision that the coach have that's a head scratcher. But nevertheless, uh, the Falcons done more than I expected. I mean, from the beginning, I thought this was going to be a nine and eight team, a ten and seven team. This was before the whole Calvin Ridley situation. This is before Isaiah Oliver got hurt. This is before I knew what the offensive line was going to be like. I thought with this team intact, the, the draft picks that we picked up, um, this is before I knew what Frank Darby was going to be, for goodness sakes. I thought Frank Darby was going to be seeing the field day one. You know, after all of that, when I saw everybody who they picked up, you know, the Kyle Pitts, the Frank Darby's, the Richie Grants, you know, Taquan Graham, Ogan Dejay, you know, um, uh, Avery Williams, you know, I, Darren Hall, I, 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 you know, Jalen Mayfield. I mean, I, I honestly thought with the draft class, um, getting those guys developed to play a little bit better with the veterans that we had, I honestly thought it was going to be a nine and eight, 10 and 17, but, um, for them to lose Calvin Ridley, Jalen Mayfield didn't turn out to be who he could have been. I mean, he's still progressing, but I mean, he's had growing pains all season. Uh, Richie Grant had his issues every now and then. Darren Hall, uh, you know, he had his issues as well. You saw the special teams performance by Avery uh, Williams. You saw what Kyle Pitts doing. He's actually he caught over a thousand yards this season. Those two right there, and a little bit of Richie Grant, are probably like the only two that actually stepped up the 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 play the roles that we. Th they were going to do and they've done a pretty good job um ogan dj had a situation where he did pretty good um uh, in, in spurts i think he had a block field goal or something like that so overall 
um i would say they were average at best the entire class but you know you see what they've done the veterans uh, like i said calvin Ridley's not here you know that was a big blow so once that happened i honestly thought that the falcons was going to win maybe six games you know maybe five games or in in some cases i thought it was going to be in like four and 13 or something like that i i did not see this team being where they were but you know, you saw guys like Russell Gage step up a little bit. Zakia stepped up a little bit. You even had situations where, um, uh, what's the other receiver? Tarji Sharp had moments. Um, it, 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 you, you saw guys try to step up the best way they could. We have receivers that can't get separation. You know, I mean, Kyle Pitts does his job at times to get separation, but sometimes he's doubled and triple teamed rightfully. So he's pretty much the best option out there. And he was still able to get over a thousand yards receiving. So uh that was um pretty impressive to see. Um the running game is pretty much non existent. Uh you saw where um you saw where we still average another hundred yards a game. We have Cordell Patterson running the ball. Um, even though Mike Davis did have a rushing touchdown, he ran pretty good against the Bills, but overall he, it was just um a fairly disappointing season overall. And when it comes to Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan has shown times where he can throw the ball pretty well. And there's some times that the ball just goes who knows where underthrown to Russell Gage early in the Buffalo game. I saw a couple of other underthrown passes, you know, and, but then again, when you see him, you know, like the, you know, throw the ball all over the field, you know, in other games earlier, and you look like, wait a minute, Matt Ryan, where's this noodle arm at? The dude is actually throwing the ball pretty well. Then now you see those situations where, all right, okay, uh, this looks good. But I think overall, I think Matt Ryan, um, he's showing signs of age. He's showing signs of where he's starting to drop off a little bit. Is he a good quarterback? I think he's still a good quarterback. But I would not be surprised. Like, I mean, I think Arthur Smith and them tried this already where they tried to get Felipe Franks to come in to back up Matt Ryan. You also had Josh Rosen come in after A.J. McCarron goes down. They kind of see where they're going to need some decent, solid backup or air parent at some point. Uh, will Felipe Franks be that guy? I'm not 100% sure, but when Felipe Franks did play, he did have some flashes the way, okay, there's something here. You know, another year under his belt, a little bit more development. We'll, we may see how this goes, but I would not be surprised within the next first three rounds, probably the third or, or probably the second to the fourth round, we'll probably end up getting another quarterback. I, I would not be surprised at that point because um, Matt Ryan, um, the, the only thing that's holding Matt Ryan back is the money. I think if the money wasn't there, it, you know, the team would probably be more inclined to try to move him. But at the same time, if Matt Ryan gets a little more, you know, help with some targets that can get separation, Matt Ryan can still be efficient. So it's a little bit of both. I mean, we don't know if Matt Ryan's capable of taking the team back to the Super Bowl. But then again, you look at this supporting cast and you're like, eh, I, I I don't know what we're dealing with here. So uh, at the end of the day, it's like, all right, what, what are we doing? Is it a situation with uh, um, the quarterback or is it team? Whatever the case may be. The defense, the defense played okay um, throughout the season. They played okay. Um, a lot of situations where we could have had some uh, some stops that would have helped, but um, it, it to me it felt like the offense was not complimentary to the defense overall. I mean, we got three interceptions against uh, Josh Allen, which was kind of 
you know, I kind of understood it. You're playing in the snow. You're playing against a gunslinger. He's going to try to throw the ball all over the place. You see what happened. In the second half, the Bills adjusted. They ran the ball more, and we couldn't do nothing about it. Now, that goes back to the front seven, where you do have guys like Foyer Luakon who actually can tackle and do very well. Then you have other guys on that defense that look like they can't tackle anybody. And um, and then nothing to take away from Josh Allen, because taking him down is not an easy task. So um, outside of that, the Buffalo outside of the Buffalo game, you're looking at other teams that, that, that actually was able to do pretty decent things against his defense, which um, one side of the field is actually pretty much a lot. You know, I mean, even though um, Josh Allen them tried to play it safe and throw the ball in front of Terrell, A.J. Terrell, AJ, AJ Terrell did pretty good. He had an interception. He had a couple of breakups. Well, the case may be Fabian Monroe showed up. Alua Khan, I mean, what can you say about him? Please pay him if it's a contract season. Um, please pay him. Um he he's done phenomenal. Got an interception as well. Had an interception last week as well to close out the game. So against the Lions. So um the Falcons at the end of the day collectively has done much more than um uh, it, 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 they've done. I just got a breaking news. I'm gonna talk about that in a second. Just breaking news just came up. Um, the Falcons themselves have done a lot based on um what they have. I, I did not. I mean, after everything that's happened, I didn't see seven wins. Now we have a situation we can go eight wins. We can beat the Saints. We're gonna talk about that further down the road. But right now, I feel like the Falcons overachieved this season. Kudos to the team. Um, because uh, I don't know where people would have actually thought that this team would have been a playoff team. Um, they were there up until the second to the last game of the season in the playoff contention. And um, with the team that you have at hand, it's nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, we lost our, first, our uh, wide receiver one. Um, we lost a couple of players in the, on defense. Um, is is the offensive line has just been abysmal, and, and you know I think that's somewhere we're gonna probably have to start is um playing um drafting or picking up some guys on the offensive line i mean that that o-line is just man i i i'm not necessarily against keeping Jalen mayfield on the offensive line because he's still a rookie i think year two is going to be telling of what's going to happen with him but i wouldn't be surprised they move him off the line and have him a backup or they just get some people here to to actually that can move some defensive bodies because that's what's needed um, as of right now, of this recording, the Bucks just said breaking news. Bruce Arian said Antonio Brown is no longer a, a Buccaneer. Uh, following what happened, if you don't know what happened, he took off his uniform in the middle of the game, threw it off to the side, and walked off the field against the Jets. Um, I'm not going to get too much more. I'm not going to get too far into this. Um, Antonio Brown is an excellent, excellent, excellent talent. It, there's nowhere denying that. It's nothing that you can say about it. I mean, one of could have been one of the greats if he, you know, didn't have the off the field issues. Um, I'm pretty sure another team may try to take a take a on him and try to use him again because his talent is just that good. But um, it's just unfortunate that outside demons and, and off the field issues and all this other stuff really takes a toll on people. It's it's really it's really unfortunate, but I mean, that's life. You know, I mean, we all have our moments where we, we feel like we can't deal with certain stuff. And, you know, some people handle it better than others. And, uh, it, it is what it is. So, um, I'm going to continue to watch and see what happens to him. But, uh, yeah, I, I, 
I wouldn't be surprised he shows up with another team. Somebody's going to try to take a spin on him. You know what I mean? Talent like that just gets numerous of chances. If he was Anthony Brown's second string guy, or hell, if he was Anthony Brown, the first string guy that um, didn't put up the numbers like Antonio did, yeah, he, you know, he probably would have never got another chance prior to the other stuff that he did when he was with the Steelers. But that's another story for another day. And um, uh, it is what it is. If you like this uh, information, if you like this show, hit the like button. If you're on YouTube, give me a good rating on the podcast side. If you're listening to it on your favorite podcast avenue, um, like I said, um, this show has now going daily. I'll be doing this every morning at 9 a.m. You guys will get this and uh, we'll continue to talk about Atlanta Falcons football. We we'll talk about Georgia Southern football and uh, everything under the umbrella. Um there is no Georgia Southern news, to be honest with you. Nothing's really going on. I know we just tried to, um, we have offered a scholarship to the former Buffalo um, former Buffalo quarterback. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. If I can pull it up, I'll talk about, I'll, I'll give you his name. But um, we were able to offer a scholarship to a veteran quarterback. And this quarterback up there is Cal Van Treese. Um, quarterback for Buffalo. He received the offer for Georgia Southern. And um, our quarterback situation at, at, at Georgia Southern has gotten a lot better, a lot better. I mean, we went from Justin Tomlin, uh, Cam Ransom, and uh, um, Connor Silgelski, which those guys are probably still going to be on the roster. But now we got um, the, Dal- uh, the guy from um, uh, Dallas, and we uh, got, um, oh, goodness, Zach Roseman. You know, uh, and we still got, like I said, we still got Cam Ransom. We still got Connor Sogelski. And now we're looking at Calvin Trees. It's probably just going to be uh, uh, the transfer guy from the transfer portal. So we're we're in pretty good hands. And and I heard there's another guy who just, uh, um, another guy who uh, transferred over or was uh, committed. But I don't know any confirmation on that yet. But we'll, we'll talk about that if it ever shows up. Nevertheless, uh, that's pretty much it for Georgia Southern. I mean, we did get the uh, the quarter. I mean, the running back coach from um, Tennessee. So it, it's really, really exciting. But when more news coming, we'll talk about that. Now, let's get into this college playoff expansion. I think it should expand. Now, I'm, I'm gonna give you a couple of reasons why. Um, the 14 playoff is nice. I, 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 I'm, I don't have a problem with it per se. But when you have kids that are funneling. They funnel to a few schools because they know they have a chance to win. It, it causes a situation where players get to sit for years and they're sitting on talent for years. And um, I, me personally, the fan in me would like to see those guys play. Put that talent on display. Show these guys what you got. Show the world how good you are. You know, I don't want to see you have to wait behind two or three other five-star recruits till you're finally your junior and now you're finally getting to play. Um, as a freshman, yo, you guys got great gifts. Show them off. And if, it, if you have to go to another school to do so, so be it, you know. And I think if there was more an incentive to go to different schools, that would help tremendously. If you expand this to 10, well, I can say, well, the 8, 12, 16 team playoffs, all those schools that could be possibly in the running for to go to the playoffs, they're going to get the recruits because they're going to have a chance to win. You know, these, these kids now are playing in quote-unquote meaningless bowls that people like to say, which I don't think they're meaningless, but that's another story for another day. They're playing in these bowls to where if you give them an incentive, say, hey, look, you could be a national champion if you go play for, um, you know, 
let's say for instance, uh, what's a team that's outside that's all that's pretty much could be in the running? Play for Florida. If you play for um a Michigan or Ohio State, or if you um play for uh Penn State, uh, or Iowa or Purdue or Iowa State, Kansas State, you know, uh, Texas, you know, like some of these teams are like right on the fringe of being like, um, you know, number like five through 16 every year. Those, the Auburns of the world, those teams that are always on the fringe between five through 16 every year, the NC States, for instance, the North Carolinas, you get those teams um, a chance to legitimately be in a, a playoff contention. Those players that are that are sitting five star behind a Georgia quarterback that's already a five star, playing like a five star, they're going to transfer out. They're going to go play somewhere else. Look at Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts knew that his time was up. He wanted to go play for Oklahoma, but he only did that because he knew he wasn't going to play. But he went to a place where still he could have won a championship. You look at up the same situation in Oklahoma. Uh, the kid that left Oklahoma now that's going to South Carolina. South Carolina, as much as I give the South Carolina Gamecocks a lot of flack. They still have a chance to be in, um, let's say, the top 10 with that quarterback and their recruiting class. If they continue to recruit well, they could be in the top 10. Now, if you give that team another incentive to say, hey, not only you can be in the top 10 and play in a decent bowl, this bowl could be a part of an expansion of the playoff tournament. You're going to get more kids that's not want to go. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with playing for Nick Saban. There's nothing wrong with playing for Kirby Smart. And, and there's nothing wrong with playing with Dabo Sweeney. Some of these top coaches, Lincoln Riley's of the world, some of these top coaches you would love to play for because they're going to develop um, high talent and they're going to make you better. There's no denying that. But when you want to win and you don't, you want to win while playing and not just winning on the sideline, like you're going to win like four championships, like four SEC championships, but only you played in maybe two or, or maybe only one of those games. You know, you you can put yourself in a situation where you can go to another school and at least compete to win. And I think the level of competition will balance itself out within the next five to seven years, especially with the transfer portal where guys can say, hey, look, this may not be for me. I'm going to go to another school where I can contend and probably still get a title if I get enough players or enough players are actually moving around to go to these schools. Um, It's like what Alvin Kamara did. Alvin Kamara... He was playing for Alabama at one point. He wasn't going to see any playing time, so he went to Tennessee. You know, I mean, I mean, it just happens. I mean, look at Justin Fields. Justin Fields was was the quarterback in Georgia. He wasn't going to see any playing time, so he went to another school that was was you know a top tier team. You know, and, but if you make other teams get the out, and those these top tier teams are going to places where they could win a national title if you know they get the the wins, if they get the players uh, um, that they need. And I think that level of the level of talent will spread out if you get 16 teams to play at that level that they know that it could possibly win. There's only like, I mean, in, in college football, you got 126 teams. You know, I'm including a group of five. You got 126, probably 126 plus teams in in, in college football at one um when the FBS. You mean to tell me only three, maybe four teams? should be in the running every year. And, and it's not a knock on the recruitment of Nick Saban, but Nick Saban has the rings. When you have the rings and you can show off, hey, look, I'm going to get you guys where you need to be. All you got to do is come and you're going to win. That's cool. They want to go. But now if they have to think in their mind, like, okay, I can win in Alabama, but Alabama's stacked. 
I can go over here and play somewhere else and I could play right away and possibly still win. Now you're looking at a situation where guys are like, there's going to be a decision. People are going to spread out in the SEC. Some people are going to spread out in the ACC. Some people are going to spread in the Big Ten. Some things are going to spread in the Pac-12 or the Big 12. You know, they're going to spread out. I mean, hell, you might even have teams that go into the group of five. Shout out to Cincinnati. You may have teams that go that spread out to the group of five, and those group of five teams can actually compete if they're in the top 16 or the top 12 teams in the tournament. So it, I think it's a win-win. And and not to mention before I close, I'm getting up to the 25-minute mark. You look at the FCS. The FCS has a 24-team playoff. And I think they've had like a 12 or 18-team playoff for years, decades. The FCS playoffs works out perfectly. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it works out perfectly. It works out to where everybody gets a shot. It will that everybody that deserves a shot gets a shot. The playoff is great. It's just not talent televised as much. If you're a guy like me who watched Georgia Southern football throughout your entire life, like I did, I watched the FCS playoff. There, I mean, the quality of football is just as good as if not. I'll put it like this. It's just as good or it's not better than what you see in the college playoffs right now. Because you see a lot of blowouts and teams getting ran over. At least in the FCS, you see like competitive games. And it's very, very fun to watch. So with that being said, I would like to see more of that. People are going to say it's going to be more blowouts. No, I, I, I disagree because, like I said, more talent is going to spread. More talent will spread. Like, like for instance, you look at the Sun Belt right now. The Sun Belt Conference itself, even though it's expanding to more teams, the, 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 the level of talent throughout the entire conference is phenomenal. That's why the Sun Belt is probably like the best group of five conference in, 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 in all of college football, and it's not even close. Everybody has a shot. Yeah, you saw the Appalachian States. You've seen the Louisianas do their thing. But I'll tell you one thing. One thing about Georgia Southern, what, what, what really hurts Georgia Southern, and I'm going to say this, I am a little biased. But what hurts Georgia Southern the most is the offense that they ran. It's not the players. It's the offense that they ran and they failed to adapt. That's what hurt Georgia Southern a lot within the past five to seven years, to be honest. Yes, we've done phenomenal things with despite the offense that we ran, but the talent level was there. And to be honest, I, I, can, I can make the case that we probably have better talent than a lot of teams that we have in the Sun Belt. You know, the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. I don't. Th I truly do not believe they have better talent than what Georgia Southern has had. It's just that you look at what's on tape. You see what Georgia Southern is running, and you see that, okay, that's not sustainable. It was, it was abysmal, to be honest. You look at Appalachian State. They always keep great talent, but we always been on the same level of talent with them. You look at teams like Troy, Arkansas State, um, Louisiana. We are like... All these teams, now I'm just not, just not talking about Georgia Southern. All these teams have a great, great talent, NFL talent in some cases on these teams. But, you know, nobody really wants to think about it. But the fact that the Sun Belt has made themselves so prestigious, players want to go there. Not only the fact that they're able to win Sun Belt championships, they actually are being ranked. They're playing games against Power 5 schools and actually competing at a high level, doing a phenomenal job. And dare I say that you're going to get more of this when James Madison comes in. You're going to see this when Marshall gets in, Southern Miss, Old Dominion. When those four teams come in 
to the sun, but you're going to see a level of competition that's just going to continue to rise. And when that level of competition rises, you're going to see more kids want to come to the sun belt. If you start seeing more ranked teams come, come that, that, that team that, are, that end up being ranked in the sun belt, more kids are going to come to that school. This is why the Chanticleers are doing so well because they're actually being ranked. Louisiana do so well because they're, they're playing good enough to be ranked. They make kids want to go to that school. Appalachian State, same way. Georgia Southern has always been there to, to spoil the party for people. But now with the new offense that they're ran, running, we're going to see a resurgence of Georgia Southern football, in my opinion. Yes, I'm biased. I'm going to be the first one to tell you. I know I am. But I'm, I'm looking at what I see with Coach Helton. They're just going to be right there at the top with the Marshall, with the Louisiana, with the Appalachian State, with the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. You're going to see the, the distribution of talent just look so well. And I think with the expansion of college football, if they need, if it be, you're going to see that in the SEC. You're going to see the expansion of talent in the ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-12, the Big 10. You're going to see some of these teams that you never thought that were going to be pretty decent. They're going to be pretty good because players want to win at the end of the day. You want to talk about meaningless bowls. They're not meaningless when these guys have a chance to win the national championship. And that's all what it's about. Jared Banco already has it to the point where he's already eyeing to be the next Cincinnati. And the thing is, if you got a lot of teams in the group of five trying to be like Cincinnati, you're going to see a fluster of maybe six, seven, eight, ten group of five teams ranked. You're going to see a lot of mid-level SEC, mid-level ACC, mid-level Big 12, Big 10 teams fighting to be ranked because they know now these schools are in the running that can actually win a title. You know, it's going to be a much a level playing field similar, dare I say, to the NCAA basketball tournament where it seemed like every team just gets good basketball players and they're always in the running to be one of those 64 teams to win something. And I think that's what needs to happen in college football because four teams is cool, but the old guard, in my opinion, I feel like the old guard is holding up this whole prestigious situation where it has to be a BCS title style situation where the top four has to be there. And anybody who's ranked under, you know, the top six don't need to be even talked about. But I think change is coming and it needs to change. I would love to see that happen. And I hopefully, hopefully more people are on board with that because more football, excuse me, more football. And if it's on a FCS format, it's going to be the better. Playoffs is always fun to watch. Look at the NFL. Look at March Madness. And, and, and if it was televised more, look at the FCS. I mean, great football over there, which need to be televised more. Shout out to ESPN Plus. At least they do show it. It's not on big TV, but if you don't have if you don't have ESPN Plus, it's one of the best things running in ESPN in general. Without all the other crazy debate shows, ESPN Plus is probably the best place to go for um sports. Because, I mean, it, it just oozes great sports and some teams you maybe never heard of. It's great. So, um, enough of that. You know, my rant. You know, I, I hopefully you guys really enjoyed this episode of the First and Frame Rage Show. This episode 255. It's been a lot of ups and downs. I had a few uh, uh, co-hosts here with me a while back. They're no longer here. Um, but, you know, those, those are my guys. Uh, I love them to death. Hope they're doing well. Uh, hopefully they're doing good in the new year. Um, those guys are um, great dudes, um, and uh, I, I I really appreciate them helping build this um, for what it is. But you know, it's now it's 
it's in a different direction now and 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 different obligations are going on now where it's going to be this way and um every day at 9 a.m i will be here um giving you guys the best commentating commentary i can on georgia southern and atlanta falcons football i will be back tomorrow and um if you haven't already you know hit the like button on youtube give me a five-star rating on the, the podcast avenue that you're on and share this let people know what i'm doing and i will see you guys tomorrow morning you guys take it easy you guys be blessed all right y'all peace